Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. From Variety, I'm Michael Schneider. I'm Sorry creator and star Andrea Savage was a huge fan of the late 1990s, early 2000s CBS sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond and believes the show holds up even now. It's a great, it, people should go back and watch it. You know, it holds up, it does. But there, the performances and the writing for those performance performers is so dead on. They don't even have to say a joke. All they have to do is have a look or say a straight line, but in their character, and it's your oh you're doubled over. On this edition of the podcast, we talked to Andrea Savage about her favorite episode of TV ever, a 2001 installment of Everybody Loves Raymond. We also talk about how real her true TV comedy I'm Sorry can get, how relatable it is to fans, and even what we can all learn about marriage from her show. It's my favorite episode. Thank you, DJ Omar Khan, for the theme song. It's my favorite episode. And this time out, we're talking to I'm Sorry creator and executive producer Andrea Savage, whose show is currently streaming on Netflix, with some episodes also available on True TV's website. Savage's pick for favorite episode is Marie's Sculpture, the fifth episode from season six of Phil Rosenthal and Ray Romano's hit comedy, Everybody Loves Raymond, written by Jennifer Crittenden. In this episode, Marie, played by Doris Roberts, takes up sculpting. But when she brings home a sculpture that looks a lot like a vulva, Ray and Deborah have to pretend to like it without hurting Marie's feelings. Don't you think it looks a little like a... What? Isn't it a bit too ladylike? We sat down with Andrea Savage earlier this year to discuss I'm Sorry, in addition to her favorite episode of TV. We began by discussing how Everybody Loves Raymond was a family show, but it was clearly about the adults. It's not a show about, you know, like I try to think of a show growing up like Family Ties, where it's yeah. about the kids and the parents and all that. That's not that show. Yeah. Um, this is a show about adults who sometimes deal with parenting, but it's about being a son, it's about being a brother, it's about being a husband, and being a father, but not from the perspective of the kids, really, um, on any level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so that was always kind of interesting, where mm-hmm. it was a family show, but not about the kids. You, it's you... hard to bring the kids in, yeah. um, because one, you're working with kid actors, and that's a whole 
you know, situation in, in terms of that. And also, I think people get really sensitive when they see a child witnessing adult things. Yeah. You know, it can be weird. Um, and sometimes it just makes it less funny, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the same time, you've, you've managed to sort of walk that line and, and feature yeah. it a little bit more. And obviously yes. being a parent is such a big part of I'm Sorry. Yes. So, so you is. know, and, and uh, you know, especially now that in season two, Amelia is going to kindergarten. She's and, getting and a that, little older. That does impact your life as a parent a lot more. Suddenly you're thrust in this whole new world and, and click system. And so fucking early in the morning. I'll tell you right now, when my daughter started kindergarten, I was like, this has ruined my life. Yeah. Because preschool started at nine, but like I say in my show, I treated it a little bit more like a recommendation. Right, right. Um, than a real, like, black and white time start. Um, but yeah, kindergarten is a whole different thing. And suddenly they're in contact with older kids, more kids. It's the first time where you start feeling like, oh, I can't totally control what Im- information's coming at yeah. them. They start watching a little bit more TV. They start watching, you know, listening to more music. There's a lot more. They start reading. There's a lot of questions yeah. that start around that age. And that's given you some some real material yes, to play with has. in, in season two. And we try to play it, you know, with Olive Petrucci, who plays Amelia on the show, who's so great. We have, I mean, in the first episode of the season, she's asking a lot of questions about pubic hair and, and that kind of stuff, which is that conversation is almost a verbatim conversation I have with my daughter. Yeah. And... We don't ever give her anything gratuitous just to have, like, a kid say something dirty for a laugh. It's always based in a real conversation that I've had or someone in my writer's room has had with their children or something their child has done. And Olive's parents are really great in that they're very much like, these are the conversations we're having, and these aren't gratuitous, and they're honest, so we're going to... Yeah. We're on board with it. In some ways, you're making it easier for her parents. It's, <laughs> no. it's, it's like, well, let Andrea handle the talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let her explain yeah, how, yeah. how things go. Um, but yeah, it gets tricky in general. For this show, I think it's good. But I think it is hard bringing kids into a television yeah. show, an adult show. The thing about Marie's sculpture that I was struck by yesterday, too, we rewatching it and realizing how long ago it was, that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And they didn't say vagina, and they weren't, you know, I don't know if they could. Like, I don't know actually what the rules were back then. That's a good but point. But I think back then that was kind of an edgy premise. Yeah, well, you know, I did a little bit of research on it, and what's also interesting is even though it was on CBS, of yes, all networks, of all right? networks, It's yeah. on CBS. Uh, the UK run, they pulled it, they yanked it. Like Are you apparently, it didn't always air in the UK because of content concerns. From from what I read, and especially when it like repeated in the morning, it wasn't among the episodes that they would show in the UK, in which the, generally that's so weird. We're the ones who are more yeah, prudish, way more prudish here. So it's it's interesting that that was okay. Yeah. So I I was very curious watching last night, like what were what was allowed to be said. And it was before tons of cable networks and before, you know, obviously streaming or anything like that. So this was like CBS, primetime, and they had a vagina sculpture. Yeah. Which now watching it, you know, I do mostly cable stuff, but is, you know, seems tame-ish. Um, yeah. But at the time, I think this was like a groundbreaking thing that yeah. they did. Which I think is one of the reasons that I loved Raymond, because I felt like it was... 
an edgier show than people than its packaging. Yeah. So it sort of slipped into people's homes. And people were like, oh, it's this cute, you know, family show. But it was like, no, it had some edgy-ish stuff in right. it. Right. It was kind of like the people who weren't watching uh-huh. thought, oh, it's a family show. Yeah. And then the people watching, oh, no, they're, no. they're getting away with stuff. They're and, getting you know, away with some what's, stuff. What's interesting is actually it aired before the Janet Jackson moment on oh. CBS because that was 2004. I bet you if it had aired after, they might not have been they able to do that episode. They, yeah. would have been, they wouldn't have been able to pass the script through the The network. notes would have been very different. They wouldn't have been yeah. able to do it. Yeah. That's crazy. But so as it is, a couple other interesting stats. Yeah. Uh, TV Land included this episode as one of its 100 most unexpected moments in TV history, <laughs> ranked number 62. Nice. TV Guide ranked this episode number 42 on the list of the 100 greatest episodes of all time. So you picked a good one. I- I'm you shocked. Picked a- I will say I went into a little bit of a panic. I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to pick this? Yeah. What Do I do like something like I Love Lucy? Do I do something like Lost? Do I do something like from, you know, something new? Do I do something from a friendship? Like, yeah. I don't know. No, this this was a good one. Now, at the time, 2001, take me back to where you were career-wise. What were you up to at I that think point? I was in the Growlings at yeah. the time. So um, I was performing the Sunday Company at the Groundlings. Um and I had been doing like TV guest stars and had done some stuff uh, around that. I want to say I st- broke up. Like I started like a maybe I started dating some uh, someone that I dated for a couple of years. I think I started dating Chris Hardwick around two thousand one, maybe oh, two thousand two. That's a I think. sidebar. Yeah, sidebar. Wow. Um, and um, I was close to getting cut from the groundlings i think i maybe got cut in 2002 and that's when i started doing stand-up so it was like i was perform i was in comedy yeah. and performing and but before i was married before i you know yeah. obviously um that's kind of like i didn't yeah. realize people were cut from the groundlings i, I guess of course oh, in hindsight it's but like I, it's actors voting on other actors yeah so the main company decides who from the sunday company continues uh-huh so it's a flawed system. Yeah, yeah. It, it leads to a lot of competitive political behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I did Dax Shepard's podcast recently, and we we chatted about Talk that about a lot because he was cut right after me. Yeah, as was Caitlin Olson and and a bunch of us, kind of in a row. Oh, so only some great people who went on to amazing things. <laughs> yeah, so it was not necessarily like. Yeah. To get to the Sunday Company was was pretty. Straightforward, and then from there, to the, it, it, there was a lot of dicey yeah. stuff. But I learned so much there. Yeah, so much. Yeah, and that it was, was like the, comedy boot camp. What's interesting is that was kind of it. Feel, feels like the heyday of everyone talking about the groundlings. It was the and, only thing and, in LA really major to do. It was before yeah. UCBLA was here. I think Improv Olympic maybe had just started being here, so there wasn't a lot of choices. Yeah. It really was groundlings or nothing. So at the time, was your hope like to get on SNL or or, or um, get on a sitcom or what was the sort of the the, the thought at, at that time. <laughs> I like that there, I'm trying to think if I had a thought at the time of anything that concrete. I think back then when you're in the Groundlings and talked about this with Dax, it's a little bit like a cult and it becomes your whole life. So I, I was so wrapped up in that world that I always say like I worked more before I got into the Groundlings and then after. And the years I was in the Groundlings, I barely worked professionally at all. But I was on a show before and then immediately after. And then you become so focused on that 
that because you have to put on a new show every week and you yeah. have to write five sketches a week and present them on a Wednesday and you perform them on a Sunday. It, it's it's crazy. It's comedy boot camp in a crazy, crazy, amazing way though. Yeah. Um. So I think I was literally just like, how many sketches am I going to get in the show this week? That's yeah. like all I was thinking about. And then nine eleven happened and other thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that really. Um. I remember I was in the Sunday Company at the time and. We decided to perform, and it, we were crying. It was intense. Yeah, yeah. I remember I there mean, was a, there was a moment where people were like, "Is comedy ever going to mm-hmm. be the same? Can we do irony anymore? Mm-hmm. Can we do absurdist comedy? Oh, yeah. Can is it irresponsible, or is it our our duty almost? You know what I mean to have this show and just keep making people laugh and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then things kind of quickly got back. I mean, this is a good example of a, a sort of a therapeutic yeah. episode of Raymond to kind of just... I wonder when they shot that. I'm guessing... Yeah, because I'm like, when did you say it aired? October? So, yeah, October 22nd, 2001. So they would have been shooting that because multicams shoot not long before right. they air. That They probably shot that after September 11th, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. To put it in that perspective the other thing that I like about the show and again I'm by no means an expert on this show but I know I remember seeing Phil Rosenthal speak about the show before um and I think a lot of it's based on his life and Ray's mixed up yeah yeah but I remember him saying and I thought about this the other day because my show is all based on real stories a lot of mine in the first season and then this second season it's a really a, a mix of mine and Christopher Johnson's and Elizabeth Lames and Jeff Drake's and Joey Slayman's, and it's a mix. I remember him saying that all the stories were re- were based on writers' room stories, and what they would do is just tell their real stories. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I gravitated subconsciously to this show is I could tell the difference between just a completely fabricated wacky sitcom premise versus something that at least had its base in a reality and it mattered to the characters. Yeah. Even if it's silly, it's still Marie cared that he didn't like the art piece. Yeah. And he yeah. felt badly. And and I I didn't realize it, but that is exactly what we do on our show. No, it, there, there's something really <laughs> authentic yeah, about it, you know, and you can't put your finger on it, but when it's something that's based in reality, you don't set it up the same sort of obvious way. You don't put all the clues in that the audience can get ahead. It it grounds it, and as long as you're picking real stuff that also matters in some capacity, it grounds it and makes it not wacky. Yeah. Well, I think the the, the hallmark of that is the relationship between Andrea and Mike on the yes, show. And that it's it's just a real marriage. Yes. There, there's no like high highs or low lows. It's just kind of in the middle. Yeah. And and there are you know, they, they talk about it and there are these moments mm-hmm. where I, I like there's an episode this season because it's so relatable. I was telling my wife about yeah. this last night where at one point uh, Andrea finds out that Mike had moved offices <laughs> yeah. like eight months ago uh-huh. and he just never got around to telling her or something happened. And, and that yeah. happens to us every once in a while. It's, it's like, oh, I forgot episode to tell you. Season yeah. Where you just suddenly, especially you get on with your lives and suddenly you're like, oh, we're sort of, we're fine, but we're running parallel lives and we're not intersecting that much right now. And we're like two businesses that are coexisting and we're both like in sync, but like, wait, 
oh, you weren't at that? Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you about that. Wait, when's the last time we did something together? You know? Right. And you just, I call it separate islands. Like, suddenly you're like, oh, hello, waving from my separate island. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Andrea and Mike is sort of the, I think, the cornerstone of the show and allows all the bigger comedy to sort of stem from it. It does make writing storylines for them very hard in terms of their relationship's very good. And I don't buy the, like, sudden panic that, like, oh, my God, suddenly we're terrible and then we fix it all in 24 minutes. So we had one episode last season about their relationship and sort of one episode this season. And there we tried really hard to make it very nuanced. Yeah. Where it's like, we're basically okay, but this is a, we're just a little off or are we good? You know, maybe we need to spice things up, but generally we're good. We know that instead yeah. of the like sitcom, like, Oh my God, we're panicked. And yeah. And that, that's probably, you know, the biggest, one of the, the big differences with Raymond, obviously Raymond as a traditional sitcom, mm-hmm. you know, that relationship was so much of the comedy was the, mm-hmm. you know, the stereotypical, uh, you know, wife, husband and wife, like, you know, it's like, Oh, I have another child and I want more sex and from him. And yeah, right. it was more stereotypical a little bit, although less so than other shows. I still feel yeah. like you got that they got each other. Yeah. And genuinely liked it. But they definitely, there was definitely more of the eye rolling and the yeah. harried mom and the. But they were mom. united versus his parents. And yeah, yes. so there, there, there was sort of a, yeah. a, a touching relationship between the two, even yeah. though it seemed like they were always yeah. battling each other. Yeah. Well, when I asked you to pick your favorite episode of I'm Sorry, you did pick one of the relationship episodes from season one. Uh, Which, by the way, not a nice thing to make someone pick. I, I was like, <laughs> all oh your babies, my, right? All my babies. <laughs> so know that it was under protest. Right. And I love a lot of other They're, they're ones. all fantastic. But if you, you have to pick one. Because uh, this you know. one has my favorite scene of either season. Yeah? Yeah. What's your favorite scene? Uh, it's the scene where Mike, out of the sweetness that he is, tries to rape Andrea. <laughs> yes. And it delights me. Just the It makes me so happy. To me, that's the perfect sort of encapsulation of what I love about our show is – it's the most heartfelt scene we have probably of two seasons. And it's cra- it, He's tried to rape yeah. me. <laughs> it's a, it... And, but it touches Andrea because she knows it's so out of character for him. Right. And we have had a therapist who sort of, which is real, real life. This yeah. did happen. Um, we had a couple's therapist who, when I wasn't there, told my husband that maybe I might have some sort of rape fantasy because I'm somewhat of an alpha female. That's crazy crazy my husband did not attempt to rape me he <laughs> did go hey so this is what funny Love story said. well just sort of felt it out a little bit yeah. and i was like no but that's crazy yeah. that he told you to like told you that yeah did, did you switch um, therapists after did. that okay yes it, yeah. like literally that was the last Time we ever saw yeah. that person. Um, but I love the scene. Tom Everett Scott is so great in it. He really goes for it, like, hard. I mean, it is violent-ish in the beginning. But, but yet but still, like, ridi- yeah. Because, and I'll tell you one little thing that I love about the scene that no one would ever know except the writer's room that Joey Slayman and I, we get really annoyed by the stereotypical female-male couple sitcom where the woman's always putting lotion on her hands when she gets into bed. Yeah. No one I know sits in bed and lubes up their arms and hands in the sheets and then gets in. It's a thing that has been on sitcoms 
forever. Yeah. So in the beginning of that scene, as a fuck you, I'm putting lotion all over my feet. And then he attacks me, but I do have lotion on my hands. But it's just this little thing where I'm lotioning my feet yeah. before yeah. we get in bed. <laughs> so, With, so a little nod. Just a little, to... like, just a little subversive, like, fuck, up, fuck, yeah. fuck everybody. Um, but I love that scene. Yeah. Because that's an episode where we are like, we're fine, but are we fine? And there's this book in real life, The Five Love Languages. Yeah. Um, that I have read, all my friends have read, my husband read it, he's recommended it to people, and it's a great book by this guy, Gary Chapman, but it is a little, it can also be a little ridiculous when you start aggressively trying to, like, do the other person's love language and feel really ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. well, so those five languages, there's yeah. the acts of service. Acts of service, and that's where, like, someone takes something off your plate and does something for you, and that's my love language, Yeah. yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think for a lot of people that is. Like uh, yeah, this, and especially a lot of women. Yeah, and especially after you've been married for, yes. say, 10, 15 years. Totally. And sort of you get into this rut where you're not doing those yeah. kind of things for someone else. Or it's also, a lot of it goes back to, and this sounds so weird, but what your parents were. So, like, my mom isn't, like, super lovey, like, touchy, touchy, but she showed all her love by, like, doing things for you and, like, being there and picking this up and getting that for you. So that's truly, like, how I take in love my husband like his mom was more touchy huggy but wasn't really doing a ton of things like that for him so he's more like physical touch or like you're doing great (laughs) so it's this weird thing which sounds crazy and to be honest the first seven people who told me to read this book I was like I'm not into that kind of stuff I don't believe it whenever but enough people I trusted were like I'm telling you this book actually is good and I read it and I was like you know what that actually that had some good points yeah 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 no, it, 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 it sort of weirdly made sense. You're right, because yeah. when, when you actually wrote them out and, and said them, so, yeah. so there's those two, physical touch, words of affirmation, gift-giving, or quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I can see how, like, it depends on the kind of person you are. And yeah, also, because, like, my husband can be like, you did great today. And I'm like, I don't care what you're saying. Like, it literally, it goes in one ear out the other. It's just not something, but to him, like, if I'm like, you know what, I was really impressed by blah, blah, blah. He really takes that yeah. in. And I'm like, mm, no, not interested. Like, doesn't mean anything to me, really. Yeah. But if he was like, hey, you know what? I heard that you needed to, you know, whatever. Like, there was this thing broken on this makeup mirror in my room, in my bathroom. And I was like, oh, how do I have to get another mirror? And, like, he went out and got this, like, little washer for it and, like, took care of it. And I came home and it was done. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, t- I totally, yeah. I, I see that. Yeah. I, I, I think my wife may be the same way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. This book, I know we sort of talk about it a little tongue-in-cheek, although we tried to give it, like, a lot of actual good respect on the show. You did. Yeah, because Honestly, it's actually, like, a good book. I wrote down these notes, and I've been yeah. thinking about it ever since. Yeah. It's, it's pretty pretty crazy. So I may have to read this book. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's read this book that it has not helped their marriage. Yeah. I swear to God. Do you hear that a lot from people who uh, sort of talk to you about their marriages? As, yes. As, yeah. And, yeah. And what's the general sort of reaction consensus when, when they come I will say to most people are so like finally there's a couple that's like my marriage like men especially like they're like oh my god like this is the only show I watch with my wife you are my wife like women like you're finally like showing like an actual happy couple on television and this is our marriage or especially a mom like they're like finally somebody it isn't showing us as fucking lame. 
<laughs> like, yeah. really? Just, like, worry can be dirty and funny and still be good parents, but not perfect parents, but we enjoy it, and we enjoy being married and all of that kind of stuff. So I think there's a certain amount of, like, feel-goodness that comes around the show where people go, like, yes, okay, like, you can be happy, and that's okay, and not everything on TV has to be, like, dark and you know, twisted and dysfunctional, yeah. even though there's crazy stuff that happens on the show. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But it all sort of comes yeah. around. Um, yeah. The other interesting thing about this episode, so so it is episode five, Acts of Service, which mm-hmm. I think I already mentioned, but wanted to get that out there again yeah. just in case. But uh, you end the episode by actually saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's like, title check. Title check. I know. It's so funny because when I chose that title, I chose it a long time ago, and it really was the unapologetic I'm sorry. It was sort of a little bit of a turn it on its side where people are like, women say I'm sorry too much, and da-da-da. And I'm like, I'm not apologetic really at all. Yeah. Um, But I do notice people say it a lot in life in so many different circumstances, and it does make its way into our show quite a bit, but not purposely. And I feel like people think... We're, like, purposely, like, putting in, like, I'm sorry, but walk away. Or, oof, I'm sorry. Or whatever. And really, we're not. Um, so I know. I, I know it ends on that. But that was just because my daughter saw a picture of, <laughs> which, full true story. Is that? That a- picture. We had to reenact the picture yeah. because for legal reasons, we couldn't do the picture that I used to put in my baby pictures as a bit. Yeah. When my daughter was a baby, people always asking for you know, oh, I want to see the baby. So I would just be like, oh, here's my phone. Scroll through. And then I I had a bit where it would be like two, three pictures of her and then this crazy <laughs> picture of this cross-eyed woman biting a dick. <laughs> and it was my favorite bit. Yeah. And then um, when I was pitching the show, I, I don't remember what it was, but at some point with the show, I had been in a meeting and had pulled up that photo. Yeah. It was around Halloween. And I was sitting at the kitchen table, and my daughter was on my computer, and she was young, but looking for a Halloween costume. So we were on, like, a Halloween costume site. I stepped away to grab something behind us, and she clicked on one of the photos for a Halloween thing to look at it. But you know how, like, if you have a PDF, the last PDF sometimes flashes? Yeah, yeah. So that photo, I guess, flashed up. And all of a sudden, I hear my little, like, five-year-old be like, Mommy, I just saw the funniest photo. And I was like, what? She's like, it was this crazy lady biting the tail of some animal. And I was like, oh, shit. And I look over my husband. It's just he knows exactly what that goddamn photo is. (laughs) And then afterwards, she walks out of the room. He's like, how is that still on your computer? And I'm like, I don't know. And then... We thought I had sent it to every private school in Los Angeles, and that's a whole nother story. I did not. And I know we ended the season that I did. But in real life, I thought I did for a while, and it turned out I had not. But that photo has really caused a lot of havoc in my life, and I still have it on my computer because I refuse. Where was that photo from? Um, I want to say another comedy person... um, had this bit, and then, I don't know, I have a thing where I send, uh, I, I'm on this uh, this email chain with a lot of comedy dudes, and I don't know, I, I sort of become the person who finds awful photos and then sends it yeah, to this yeah. group of people and just shuts down the conversation because they're all just like, oh, Barb. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know, I just started becoming like, known for having, in the comedy, this little circle of having horrible photos, so yeah. internet. 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, internet. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. The, the source of the everything, source of everything good great. and evil. Great. Yeah, great <laughs> and evil. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, by the way, have you, met, have you talked to Phil Rosenthal? Have you? I have never met Phil Rosenthal, but I truly think he's fantastic. Yeah. Like, he's someone I would love to sit down with and talk to. Yeah. Because I, I haven't. It's it, again. It was weird watching it because I was like, I think that show and other things like it sort of trickled into my brain, and then I'm like doing my sort of pushed out female lead character version of that kind of show. Yeah, yeah. Unbeknownst no, I, to me, <laughs> I, I, th- I think there there definitely is a similarity, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys should meet over like some some great meal because we you know, should. That's, he should pay. By the, yeah, absolutely. Because he's in syndication. Yeah, he's yeah. Very rich. And and hashtag goals. Like you know, now he just like does shows about going like around the world around and the eating wor- well. I know that's... he eats well, and didn't he also do the show in Russia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he so, did his document. Yeah, yeah. So the I, Rus- yeah. Russian. I'm sorry. That's should be. The... <laughs> What would that show I be like? I feel like Andrea would just get murdered. Yeah. Is that bad? No, I think that's I probably... I feel like she'd be taken out. Yeah. There's no way they're going to let a woman yeah. be doing what I do on yeah, that show. Pro- you're, you're probably <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. But it's a great... It, people should go back and watch it. You know, it holds up. It does. I mean, parts of it, you're like, why are they so hysterical about this thing? Like, it, it's exaggerated now, because you're like, all oh, right. Yeah, it's still multi-cam. It's still a multi-cam, and they, you can only do so much. But they're, the performances and the writing for those performance performers is so dead on. They don't even have to say a joke. All they have to do is have a look or say a straight line, but in their character, and it's your... Oh, your doubled over yeah it's yeah. so great no it's 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 yeah. great uh by the way any other shows that you grew up uh, sort of admiring or that uh um i will say and it's you know cliche but there weren't a lot but uh lady shows but i definitely i love lucy was a huge i watched every episode of yeah. that um the classic yeah. The, yeah and it's classic and but that you know was kind of i feel like growing up the only show that i really had access to on like a regular television basis that was on reruns all the time with a female lead um that was funny that was legit you know wasn't the mom it wasn't the whatever i mean she was a mom but who was legitimately funny i mean you know carol burnett um and then golden girls is one of my favorite shows of all time and i will watch that show in reruns Till I die. That one still holds up. That one still holds up. And God, do I want, not that I want my husband to die anytime soon, (laughs) but I do have a little fantasy that I'm going to live the last like couple decades of my life in a golden girl situation. Yeah. Yeah. With, with with a cup of, uh, with a cup of my lady friends. Yeah, exactly. On the, hanging on the lanai eating cheesecake. Jesus Christ. Just first, first of all, they're dating constantly. Yeah. I mean, it was like a constant stream of available men. The amount of sex those ladies were having in the last couple decades of their life was very impressive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, dare to dream. Um, but, yeah, if I could have a couple of my, like, funny lady friends, four of us living in a house, please. Yeah. Great. So jump to the uh, the I'm Sorry reboot in 50 years. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> 50 years. That might be too long. Uh, let's not get crazy. Well, hopefully we'll all live longer. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but congrats on season two. Thank you. Fingers crossed on season three. Thank you. Anything else uh, that we should keep an eye out for? No, I've been under a rock. So yeah. literally for the past two and a half years, I think this is all I've done. I did that movie Summer 03, which already came out, and I have not been available. 
So I'm peeking my little head out now for the first time. Excellent. Yeah. Well, have a great 2019 as well. Thank you. And hope to see you uh, again soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. That's it for this edition of My Favorite Episode. Join us again next time as we once again explore another guest pick. And be sure to subscribe to My Favorite Episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com for your daily fix of TV news, analysis, and reviews. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you again next time. Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.